Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work. Hello and welcome to the AEW Rampage and Battle of the Belt preview. Yeah. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dadly Boy Michael Hamflick to discuss everything that's in store on tonight's two-hour split special. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We preview and review Dynamite, Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0. Always be that. Premier, uh, premier, premium live events, pay-per-views. We have wrestling roundtable discussions, wrestler interviews, and host a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. But as I said, we are here to preview... Hey, I just met you. This is crazy. But here's my number. This is rampage, baby. (laughs) We've got his buttons. We've got We've his got buttons. His buttons. This is the first. We can't swear because we can't do the beeps, can we? But we can't do him. the buttons. Yeah, just a bit inside baseball. We've never been able baseball. to. He's a techie, good presenter. He drives guy. desks even when he's not a DJ, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, so we've never really had access to the button, so God knows how this is going to go. <laughs> um, but how is Rampage going to go and Battle of the Belt? What a segue. Hey. He says we're not professional broadcasters. I know. We were just talking about this over the desk before. It's <laughs> Rampage, baby. Rampage. That's good like that, isn't it? It's really good. We couldn't make that. What else we got? What's in the buttons? Wait there, wait there, wait there, wait there. Um, we've got loads, but we'll, we'll play with them imminently. Uh. No. Ha- wait a second. Stags? Where's Stags? Where? I mean, I'm looking at the open door, and he's not there. That's suspicious. That's not Stags like that, is it? No. It's weird that he's... <laughs> Stags? Yeah. It's strange that he wasn't here. That is really of weird days. that he hasn't. Yeah. Ah, uh, you know what it is. Wilborn did actually tell me because Wilborn's best man at a wedding this weekend, which is why he's off today. I think Stax has been invited to the wedding. Uh, he's got his jokes, hasn't he? Stax has been warming up on the podcast. So he's big. Is he going to do the um, the sort of introduction for the best man speech? Yeah, that kind of. He's going to be an MC. He's a uh, the, the groom is a wrestling fan, by the way. So, like, I want Wilborn to have three or four pints and then bring stacks to the actual wedding. Yeah. <laughs> I want him yeah. to start, like, slightly let go. Have the spirit of the dad in him. What are we talking about? Uh, just the general thoughts ahead of the show before we drill into the actual deeds. That was what I was going to say, yes. Um, I don't want to get into the habit of ruffling the hair of AEW cards, but I saw this laid out. You got the notes together on Rampage and Battle of the Bells, and I sort of did think to myself, 
yeah, like $30-$40. Like, shout out to Kyle in Washington, as we always do, if he's going to the show tonight. What a guy. What a guy, by the way. Like, covers the most important events in the world, and then has wrestling as his distraction. Like, that proves wrestling's worth, doesn't it, I think? I would go. I would go to this show. Like, it's a, it's not exactly a, a stacked... Stacked, that's all I can think about. It's not a stacked card, but it's a decent one, and it is a reminder that AEW has still got the roster, even if... Not that this week is an example of that, but even if you're down on the booking, it's a battle of the Bales week. There's never been enthusiasm around that brand. This is probably the best one of them ever, and this feels like a busier rampage than usual as well, in terms of the actual stars that are on the show. Yeah, the stars on it, I do think every match is... You can call it quite easily... Um, there's some filler, Jesus Christ, which we'll get into hopefully very briefly. But yeah, I think the fact that it's live just helps enormously. Yeah. And I know that this is just a, uh, it's one of those weird things where it's like a King of the Ring tournament. Loads of people didn't buy them. That's mm. why the pay-per-view was scrapped. And yeah, every wrestling fan that I know loves the 1993 and 1996 versions. But yeah. ultimately there wasn't a 2003 version because they didn't really draw particularly well. Everyone seems to get more keyed up for a live rampage, but it doesn't really impact the ratings. But regardless, I'm yeah. more excited for this. We'll get straight into it with um, a choice-looking trios match. Um, the first will go lesser important um, in that. It's John Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, and Claudio Castagnoli versus Roosh and Private Party. I'm expecting a fairly decisive babyface win. And uh, I think it'll be a really, really fun 10 minutes-ish of action. I can't wait in particular for Claudio's interactions with Private Party. Mm. The idea of doing the pop-up uppercut as Isaiah Cassidy screams and squeals and then yeah. getting just absolutely forearmed in the face. That should be a good spot if they don't do it. They're stupid. Um, Roosh trying to beat up Wheeler Yuta, targeting him as the weak man. And then Moxley comes in for the save, and then Yuta later, deeper in the match, coming back and thinking, you know what, I don't need my protector, my older brother, I can kick your ass as well. This should be fun, should it not? Yeah, I think so. There's a winner, there's a loser, there's an obvious angle advancement, but it doesn't mean that the body of the match can't be thoughtful and interesting, as you say, like Claudio's interactions with the private party should be fun. Uh, Roosh, well, let's see, because... We kind of made cracks about what you might get out of Roosh now that he's officially hashtag All Elite. And there were little signs of that on Dynamite, but you're not going to just use one match to like tar the remainder of his AEW run. And in a trios environment, you can tag in, do your really cool stuff, then tag back out, then get a breather, then go again. If anything, this is kind of the best environment to show your best bits without needing to give it all away. Yeah, um, It's like Bandido did in the All-In main event, and then still nobody signed him until yeah. one main event on Dynamite. Like So the, the trios matches exist for that purpose. I'm banging to the um, three-on-three hammer and anvil spot because you saw how effective it was in a tag setting on Wednesday. So the idea of the three heels kind of shaped in that triangular pattern while the three baby faces just wail down with the hammer and anvils and all the heels looking at each other. Oh my God, we're all trapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the more people, that's made me realize you could do an eight man tag version of that that would rule a 10 man tag. Like that's now a cool thing yeah. to do that. And as well, like, well, uh, never will I say the sentence again. If, I can, if you'll indulge me in a bit of Matt Hardy law, right? Because mm. that's where all this is going, right? Either, so the heels leaves and either rush Roosh and Andrade beat down Private Party and Matt Hardy makes the save, or Roosh just abandons them and leaves them because we saw the thing with the iPad in the middle of the week. And it's like, start, start making the right choices, and we will assume that the defeat means they've made the wrong choice. Roosh goes to leave, and then Private Party are knackered and beaten down by the Blackpool Combat Club. And do you remember when the Matt Hardy Private Party relationship first came together? They were kind of carrying each other out, weren't they, after like 
It was like quite an organic thing. Yes. Like it was in Daly's place and Matt Hardy was like... It was one of my favourite AEW angles. Yeah. It's just the origin of my death catchphrase. Was, was it? it? That, yeah. that angle like there. Because every single thing had a storyline ramification coming yes. out of it. They set up about eight different matches, mm. three different associations, a mystery, and it was just... It could be quite sweet yes. if post-horrendous BCC beatdown, Matt Hardy is there for them in the way that Rich and Andrade weren't. And that's why they're making the good choice to go back with him. I'm not saying the outcome is anything special, but I think that would be a nice way to actually pay this off. Matt Hardy was the good guy with them compared to what Andrade and Roosh just want to use them for quick wins and they're not getting them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it should be fun. Absolutely fine. And let's not forget that Roosh and Mox have got incredible chemistry as well. So yeah. it would be disappointing if it isn't hitting the three. I'm saying all that. Andrade's probably not going to be in the building this week, is he? He'll probably be getting... Oh, no, he's been sent home. Like, that's a, that's, a, that's a long breather, isn't it? It's not just a one night off. He's going to be gone for a little while. Oh, he's going to be gone. Yeah. Uh, iced on the shelf. Um, so, yeah, no, that should be tremendous. If it doesn't hit three and a half, you'd be really disappointed in this. Um, and that's a similar thing you can describe the um, the trios title match that we're getting between Death Triangle and Dark Order. Um, so the uh, just in case you weren't aware, there's obviously more than three members of the Dark Order, so the ones involved in the match are ten, which is nice because mm-hmm. at least he gets his sort of um, appearance on TV after the debacle involving Andrade. And he is joined by um, John Silver and Col- uh, no, um, Alex Reynolds. <laughs> Alex Reynolds, because there's... As we all know, there's Evil Uno, yep. there's Ten, yep. there's John Silver, mm-hmm. there's Alex Reynolds. That's pretty much it, is it not? That's the Dark Order. That is the Dark Order. That's sad, isn't it? That's like, if you think about like Alan Angels going, yeah, wanting to explore opportunities, Stu Grayson saying no thanks, the situation with Colt Cabana, it's like... It's not, it's not great aesthetic, this, is it? Like it's not a great optic as well. The whole group was like, we'll swallow in losers and make them winners, or however the Dark Order is shapeshifted, I understand that. But at this point, it's like even the losers are saying, I'd rather be a loser somewhere else than be a winner with you. Isn't it weird as well how there are legitimate families in AEW, and in order to try and get Dark Order over is this sort of like wholesome babyface act that Excalibur keeps pushing the line. The Dark Order are the closest thing we have to a family here in AEW, Ugh. and at least three members are estranged. Yeah. Anna JAS was stood in the ring when they all said, no, we've got an announcement about the Dark Order. We're not going anywhere. Actually, I'm going to go to the, J- <laughs> the JAS, and, you know, people are dissatisfied with their TV time. But, you know, the, the dogs are still there, mm. apart from Colcabana because of reasons. It's just weird. But, yeah. you know, they're still... Um, over to a degree, nowhere near what they were. Hangman's relationship with him is strange. Yeah, it's just bizarre at this point. Yeah. It's absolutely bizarre. It just doesn't feel the same because the Dark Order don't feel the same. Mm. Uh, they felt like forever loser guys, like Horowitz in a mask and <laughs> Brawler in a mask times 10. These yeah. guys were always going to be there in some capacity, but half of them aren't. But regardless, this should be a really cool match. Um, Silver and Pax interactions in particular, I'm really, really, truly looking forward to. I think they'll be sensational. Um, 10 does his job in these types of matches. Um, Reynolds is like one of the most underrated guys on the roster. His work's really smooth, but there's not going to be a title change, is there? No, and nor should there be. This is going to be like, so I don't think Pac's going to dog this, even though he's got to work twice in the night. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think he's just going to hug the apron. I definitely think he'll be, you might not get, he's a smart guy, so you might not get loads of him, but what you get It'll is... It'll make it feel like there's loads yeah, of Yeah, you're going to like some really cool flashpoint spots and stuff. Penta and Phoenix, correct me if I'm wrong, haven't won a singles or a tag match since winning the trio's title. 
So if nothing else, does nothing this... Nothing of televised importance. Yeah, so like this, if nothing else, is them kind of... Terrible thing to say. Re-establishing themselves with a sort of safe television win and a reminder of, like, if, these titles are in trouble, aren't they? Like, mm-hmm. unexpectedly due to the elite situation. But then the... I really liked the booking of Best Friends and... Um, Death Triangle being seen as like originals. If you're gonna have, if you're gonna have to put the belts on somebody out of nowhere, this is a nice dynamite night one derby, wasn't it? If these, yeah. these guys, these define what it was to have gangs and groups and all that sort of stuff. That I thought that was proper Tony Khan. I can figure this out booking, but then the follow up has like maybe proven that mm. a bit of a false dawn. You need to start getting behind Death Triangle. You can't just they they might as well be like Ring of Honor tag champions. Not to neg FTR who were defending those exact belts later on in this preview, but. Kind of, the belts don't feel of a higher value than any of the other belts that we see on television. Who's got the Ring of Honor trios tire? Is it Dalton Castle and the boys? Oh, God, I don't care. Right, but like, but that's kind of where I'm at with the AEW yeah. trios titles. And I just think there is an opportunity, I guess, with something that feels a little bit like nothing. This match has happened because one got cancelled. You could maybe try and start something for Death Triangle. There. Get them on a run. Like, get them to win here. And this be good. And there'd be a thirst for a dynamite match. And then drop the graphic. Death Triangle versus whoever. And it's like, wow, two shows in a row. I'm pretty excited for Death Triangle defending the trios yeah. titles. You kind of, it's a bit like the women's division at this point, just like pump us full of the best possible combinations and make this like fake it till you make yeah. it. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I get it completely. It's just, I can sympathize with Tony Khan to a degree. These belts were a vanity vehicle yeah. with which to further the elite story. Yeah, and that wasn't even feel... hottest when like the, these belts were hot a year and a half ago. Yes. And then we were made to wait. Yeah. So it is a vehicle to tell the next chapter of the elite story away from the main event and the tag scene, um, which I absolutely understand. Um, I ex- expect that they were going to hold them for quite some time. Um, but every single plan that Tony Khan might have had for these titles has totally evaporated. Yeah. And it's I can't be too sympathetic because half this is his fault. Hardly booking Bobby Fish, not keeping the talent in the mix enough. Um, just making too many, again, the recruitment and the greed of it is driving literally everything that is wrong with AEW. The purchase of so many free agents, the purchase of Ring of Honor, but the idea that they're going to do the Elite versus the Undisputed Era, not happening. They're going to do the Elite as the real tag champs, not happening. Um, it's just a total mess, and this might be a small step on route to correcting it, but uh, we've got absolutely no idea. But ultimately, the match should bang, but... Yeah. I, I, the match should bang is me saying, I don't really care about the storyline ramifications or that much about the acts on a deep emotional level. Um, and that's a nice segue to Varsity Blondes, who are in <laughs> action against Tony Nice and Josh Woods. Now, I kind of hate this because we are all kind of familiar with Tony Khan's book and patterns at this stage um, in our collective AEW fandom. When you see a match like this, a act that he hasn't stopped caring about, um, versus two totally pitiful geeks in terms of the characters. You know that the result is never in doubt. You know that the match is going to be very short, brief, and essential. You know there's going to be no real interest or heat to it. But the idea is that the winner will theoretically be placed in a more important match down the line, and this is just a functional, necessary, but bland building block uh, with which to get there. My problem with this is that Tony Neeson and Josh Woods, haven't they already had the get-beat-off the reigning tag team champions on a Rampage match? It feels like they're being set up for the acclaim for a nothing TV title defense on Rampage, and they're not really an established unit. They've been beaten 
every time I've seen them on TV, yeah. they got beat off Swerve Our Glory, they got beat off Wardjo, and Joshua, Josh Woods hasn't won in a meaningful no. way. He might be picking the wins up, but... Unless the Varsity Blondes simply win, I can't see that happening. It would be some twist, but that's... It's bad when the only thing that makes sense is for Brian Pillman Jr. to win a match. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they got annihilated on Dynamite not too long ago by the Gun Club, I think it was like in under a minute. So this is a wooden spoon match, and we know that these matches really only exist to put one of the teams in the title picture. Am I being too cynical? No. I think this is like, weird, this, isn't it? This is Josh Woods and Tony Nice getting rebuilt. But like, as you point out, like, ha- is it really a rebuild if they beat the Varsity Blondes? How I imagine... How can you build something that... How can you rebuild something that was never built? Yeah. Like, if I imagine that there was a, a Varsity Blondes split teased after Julia Hart finally, finally... T- I s- swear there was some sort of tension implied. I don't know if there was tension implied. I can't remember. It's them. I'm not going to take it seriously yeah. or retain it in my memory bank. I think there were rumours um, that the the team wasn't long for this world in the mm. Observer or one of the, you know, the Scoops outlets. So maybe they'll further something on the back of that. But my God, if they split up the Varsity Blondes, that means one of them is going to get a push. Yeah. That's why you do, that's why you split tag teams to facilitate a singles push. I don't need to see, I'm not saying they don't have anything going for them, but even with a sort of de- like destroyed roster in tatters, short of top stars, I don't need to see one of them getting a singles push. Jesus Christ, just get, just because Miro for Christ's sake. You can already imagine the um, like the north the nothing discussion on will the Trustbusters be able to recruit Griff Garrison? Oh like, it immediately God, feels yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. a thing they would do just to put on rampage in a backstage segment or something. Like, <sighs> yeah, a split where nobody's getting pushed at the end. It's uh, I, I d- this is too. I don't mean this as a neg to any of the four wrestlers. Um, especially because the Varsity Blondes have taken pelts for years, and as you point out, Nice and Woods aren't exactly been picking up wins. Like this is a really nothing match. Isn't this is it? nothing. This is absolutely like, nothing. This is yeah. And like, it's not their individual fault, as no. you say. It's Tony Khan's. Aye, I'd not really considered just how like low card this felt. Maybe maybe because of like what it's surrounded by elsewhere. This is just one of the weirdest matches. Like I, I get putting Drab Filler on Rampage because Tony Khan has realised that he's hit the ceiling for the number, saves everything for Dynamite, which is going to drive the negotiations for the TV deal. If you can keep that strong, you don't want to dilute its appeal by having three hours. I get it. It's cynical. It's corporate. It's Do you know this match content. If, if Tony Khan and he would have been in the ECW arena watching this happen, if he had a nine one one, this is what Paul Heyman used to book for nine one one, but we haven't got one. It's not like you can set like Satnam Singh out there to like chop them all or something like should. that. You yeah, should. Yeah, that's, be that's better. Like the four of them come out, start wrestling, but then the Giants like, now nah, I fancy beating up four losers. Yeah, like that classic formula. But we haven't got one of them at the moment. That's not what it's. You know, like even when it's fun, you know, when they're transparently yeah, set yeah, up. Yeah. Sorry, lads. Like this is used tonight. This is not that, is it? Because there's nobody that comes out and does it. And it would be a terrible, terrible optics look, given the criticism that the Strowman, Braun Strowman, returning yeah. Strowman yeah. character has been doing. Oh, God. We've spent enough time on this. Um, we round out the Rampage portion of the preview with another match that I don't particularly care about. I thought the build for it on Dynamite was piss poor. It's Tay Mello and Anna JAS versus Madison Rain and Sky Blue. Again, I don't know. The thing about the trick with Tony Khan's booking, and I've got another point to make on the back of this, um, so hopefully I remember that. I've got um, a soupy brain. Is that things rarely exist? They should. I've campaigned for fixtures and the like, but things rarely exist. There's going to be some. If you don't know why a match is booked on a show, you get a reasonable idea of why after the fact. 
what happens here and will the match be any good? I just don't think it will. I think Madison Rain's been very generic. I think, yeah, if she's got attributes as a coach, we'll never see them mm-hmm. on the outside looking in, but keep her in that capacity. She's not done much on um, television since she's joined up with AEW, and I think we've reached a point now where we just need the stars. And Tony Khan, to his credit, has recognised that. Why does this exist and will it be any good? Well, I don't know, and probably not, is the answer to those two questions specifically. This feels like a straightforward win for the heels. For no other reason that I can discern other than to remind you that they are restless sometimes. It feels like maybe there's been a bit of talk backstage about, oh, I'm not getting on TV. All right, okay, I'll put you on TV. Yeah, maybe. Like, the, it's... I go both ways with uh, TJ as valets in the Jericho Appreciation side because I'm a big fan of the act. Wrestling needs more of the act. I always think of, like... Lana and Rusev as a contemporary Randy Savage and Elizabeth. Nobody until WCW was stupid enough to do it made Elizabeth get some wrestling boots on. You know what I mean? Like there, yeah. there are roles for everybody in wrestling. Nobody's particularly asking for um, Stokely Hathaway to wrestle. You know, he's got a, he's got a purpose yeah. that he serves. And I understand if you're TJ when you were baby faces having like bordering on acclaim, like proper acclaim for a couple of tag matches that builds to that really cool dynamite main event at the end yeah. of twenty twenty one, you might be feeling quite frustrated and in a professional capacity that you have been quote unquote reduced to being valid, especially in a division that has like got a terrible record with women's wrestling thus far. You might be like, This is where we're gonna get boxed in here and we're not gonna get back out. So if you're them, you can sort of see why you would campaign to get back on television having matches. But also <laughs> I think the value of them as an act was that their friendship was real and that's yeah. a cool baby face. It was really nice, wasn't yeah. it, to watch like, them? Organic, oh, the friends have landed together and now they get to wrestle together and they've got the matching gear and like this is exactly what they want to be doing. I'm not sure that act translates as heels. No. So then you have to be like, well, is your value not currently as the valleys? And then the time will come where you can work as heels. We'll see. I guess this is as good as an opportunity as any to, to show their worth. Um, you know, I think you've criticised before, like, Women's tag matches in a without company belt. without belts. Like, what are we doing there? This this physically couldn't go towards rankings, even if rankings were being adhered to. So then it's just like, well, this is the second match in a row where heels win a nothing tag match to build to nothing. Yeah. if We've just previewed an identical framework, and it's, I don't know, where do you go from this other than next week on Rampage? It's like Excalibur saying, uh, sorry, next week on Dynamite, Excalibur saying, we're TJ there, of course, by Chris Jericho's side. We saw them pick up a victory on Rampage. End of sentence. Yeah. What was it for, other than for that sentence? Is there a women's match booked for the Toronto show? Not yet, I don't think. They could do Mello and Anna JAS versus Tony Storm and someone. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. With the threat of... Tony Storm getting beat. It's a terrible yeah. way to book that. Oh, you know, she gets beat because she's a woman. Yeah. Uh, even though she's got the world title, she's still a woman, so there's always the implicit threat that she could get beat and then the next contender could be established. So all of that sucks. And, yeah, an uneven rampage, but with two really fun prospective matches. Um, on the Battle of the Belts, it feels a little bit more all-killer, no-filler, in that there's not one match where I'm like, oh, Christ, if I never see this in a million years, I'll never hear about it nor yeah. care about it. Um, it's still not like... It's our Clash of the Champions, is it? No, and it never will be. It never will be. They just didn't care from the jump. It feels like um, we've speculated plenty this week, so I don't mind doing a bit more on like the inner workings of AEW as relates to the brawl and the management and all that sort of stuff. Pretty much from the beginning, this feels like Tony Khan is most petulant. Like, uh, you know, Partridge saying, like, promises were made about stories that weren't kept. Yes. When it comes to his shop-soiled chocolate oranges. Battle of the Belts is Tony Khan's shop-soiled chocolate yeah, oranges. Yeah. He was offered one thing, and then when he's gone to deliver it to the public, the boxes are damaged. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to get uh, two hours to do mini pay-per-views. Actually, Tony, can you make it an hour and stick it in after a taping? Well, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's never felt any different from that. Even when like Page was on it defending the world, was it Page defend the world title on one of them? That was on Rampage. Oh, I was getting that mixed up. Yeah, that, what's, uh, that what's was the biggest title that's been defended on a Battle of the Belts? This is the fourth, isn't it? Yeah, they've done TNT tags. Must be the AW tags. I don't even think that's happened. No, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus defend them on a Battle of the Belts ones. I don't think so. Wow. Really? That's like, ROH World, uh, TNT, TBS, Women's World, FTW. FTW. So the Women's World might have been the main event of the, one of the early ones, wasn't it? Yeah, Brick Baker, Reho, re- main event today. Probably is. it then, yeah. yeah. Like, just. Oh, yeah. It's a bit of a shambles, but like, I hold. Ultimately, you're dealing with like two major conglomerates. There's a wrestling company and there's a TV network. And this is when like capitalism conspires for the consumer to lose. Yeah. Like the end product is like, hey, here you go, like serfs and peasants eat you sh- and like the taste yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. That's Battle of the Belts, isn't it? For wrestling fans. <sighs> Two hours every week, four pay-per-views and that's it, three titles. <laughs> that was better. That yeah. was better. That was better. This should be good though. I'm not going to be too much of a... No, it's a good card. It's a good card. Uh, We've already previewed this, actually, but that is an indication Mm. that we are excited about it, at least. It's FTR versus Gates of Agony uh, for the ROH World Tag Team title. I do not see a switch forthcoming. (laughs) Um, It lacks the drama, at least with New Japan. You could readily imagine Gato turning around and saying, we kind of need those belts back because FTR can't really defend them as much as one of our um, regulars would. So there's at least an inherent drama to an FTR um, IWGP tag team title match. This is not the case here with um, Gates of Agony. But you know what? This should be really fun. And I think it goes... Um, I'm just going to repeat what I said. Because I thought it was a good salient take um, on the Dynamite review. Which, if you've somehow missed, you can still check out on yeah. Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, yeah, it's FTR versus Gates of Agony. We know little about Gates of Agony, as do the collective AEW fandom. Other than they are two giant musclehead guys... And you might be thinking, right, do they work brilliantly against FTR? Because the two best FTR matches are when they've got really great technical or aerial opponents that they can um, either... Babyface opponents especially. Babyface yeah. opponents especially. Um, that they are great and great and great at getting the sympathy um, on their behalf or just snatching aerials out of midair and doing some horrible submission and cutting the corners off and all the rest of it. 
uh, cut the ring in half, sorry. But ultimately, Dax and Cash are so cold because they couldn't take their WWE names with them. And they each rhyme with Axe and Smash of demolition fame. So they weren't just JCP heads Mm. when they were growing up. Um, They weren't just watching and being devoted to the Southern-style tag formula. In name, they are indebted as well to all of that golden age of tag team wrestling. So I reckon they've been relishing the chance to work. Did they ever work the Authors of Pain? Uh, they did. They worked a really cool uh, three-way with Gargano and Champa, where they had to do that was shockingly shared, like, good. Shared yeah. tag moves where they had to do each other's tag moves, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, basically to work a four on two because the two monsters were so strong and dominant. Yeah. It was brilliant. It was like really, really. It was fun more than great, but it was like inspired in how thoughtful the arrangement of it all was. Yeah, like these career rivals that have now got a. Well, we know your double team moves rule because we've been hit with them. Yeah. Should we work together to combine and do them on yeah. these big guys? So I really think they'll be relishing the opportunity to work um, a team that is very much in the Road Warriors mold, which, of course, Demolition molded themselves within mm-hmm. um, to try and just get more money. In. It was yeah. a bit of a, I don't want to say rip-off, but it was heavily inspired by... Pa- Nobody said it enough when we were younger on the old forums. Powers of Pain was a way bigger rip-off. Demolition got the pelters for it, but I mean, Christ, look at all of the Barbarian's inspired. haircuts. Heavily inspired. We've got yeah. to be careful about the word rip-off these days. We absolutely do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think this will be really good. I honestly think that they'll be um, really relishing the opportunity to work a tag team um, of that kind. And I think as baby faces, this will be fantastic. Dax Harwood... Um, being the hot tag guy works perfectly here because I think Cash is a slightly better athlete and his sort of ability to do things that he doesn't really want to do um, can put over Gates of Agony where I was like, right, I'm just going to have to flip about a bit to be perfectly honest to get out of this the path of this monster. So I think we'll see both an atypical and um, but still faithful FTR match here. So Dax foreshadowed. The form they're in as well. Well, yeah, so, like... Just on just on that briefly, obviously there was a little bit of um, blowback, I guess, from like the FTR comments made at the end of the uh, Royal Quest 2 main event, which like I haven't seen yet, but I'm looking forward to watching it, and it seems like it's going to be worthy of the acclaim that it was generating um, against Aussie Open. But I, th- I sort of agree with them. Like, book them more. If you haven't got a story, book them in tags. Yeah. Like, I know we're all spoiled wrestling Especially fans. when they don't care about the rankings anymore. Yeah. Like, I know we're all spoiled wrestling fans, but nobody would complain about a really cool FTR match once a week. Because tag matches are the easiest ways to remind like fans how cool wrestling is. Like tag match, good tag matches are probably the best case of wrestling for wrestling's sake. More so than a good singles match, I would say. And FTR can be the purveyors of that while they wait for a story. But Dax might have foreshadowed. Um, we talked about on the, we got lost in a bit of a WWF 1991 vortex for a bit on the yeah. Dynamite review. Oh my god! The name Oh my god! Um, you know, rockers versus big guys. And I was thinking, like, we talked about rockers, Barbarian, Haku. I was thinking the rockers and the Twin Towers. Like the rockers, like, did the loop with Demolition, as did the Hearts. And it occurred to me that um, Dax foreshadowed that this match was going to happen. Because on, I think it was Tuesday, he, obviously, it was Dax Harwood. He was watching Bret Hart. He says, you know what a lot of people sleep on? It's Bret Hart versus Diesel from King of the Ring 1994. Yeah. And that's a classic Bret Hart's got to chop the tree down match. And then sure enough, this gets booked on Wednesday. Yeah, uh, sneaky Dax. So they're obviously watching, you know, they, they're always watching tape, but they're going to lean on small guy versus big guy stuff. And that is what I think is what's so fun about this because it's not something we get every week from FTR. So not only does it, and it shouldn't, this is on to, it shouldn't feel like a gift getting an FTR match. Like, they're on the roster. Yeah. They are right. They should be getting booked more. But not only are we getting that, but we're also getting a bit of a unique 
formula for FTR. They don't get many of these, so no. I'm quite looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's a proper challenge for them. And I'm also really lo- lo- looking forward, uh, sorry, to Jay Cargill versus Willow Nightingale. I don't want to... Um, Basically, they set up a match with Nyla Rose, which I expected to happen this week on one of the three shows. Um, well, one of the two shows, because there was an already women's match booked on Dynamite. Because <laughs> um, she's from the Washington area, yeah. it's Nyla Rose. So, um, all the best. Something must have happened there, I think. Otherwise, it's quite mean-spirited mm. and not faithful to your continuity. But regardless, we are instead getting Jade Cargill versus Willow Nightingale for the TBS title. And this is great. There's something about Third Time Lucky, which is like, ah... That's actually a quite good hook. You are reminding me that she's lost two times, but we all like Willow Nightingale so mm. much that you're kind of desperate for her to win. So she does play that spirited underdog really well. And it's just a decent hook for the match, I think. Um, it kind of, it's contrary to like wins and losses, Matt Ring and all the rest of it. But regardless, they I would hope they were in a bind. Hence why this match exists. But I really like the idea that Jade Cargill... Um, is utterly, well, I don't really like it, but I like it as it pertains to this match. The idea that Jay Cargill is, like, pun intended, because I'm saying it, jaded. She's sick of the lack of competition. She's genuinely quite bored of it all at this point, um, which is kind of good because it means you're in touch with the audience because I think Jade's kind of lost um, her shine of late. But I like the idea of her just absolutely throughout underestimating Willow Nightingale um, I think that story-driven approach can inform some really good near falls. And ultimately, it's not just the story of the match that informs the near falls. Near falls, uh, the power of them are driven by how much you actually want to see the, th- the, yeah. the, 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 the hand strike the mat for the third time. And I think loads of people will want to see that happen on behalf of Willow Nightingale. So I, ca- I forecast big success for this. Yeah, there is, a abs- there is a wicked false finish buried within this somewhere, isn't there? You know there is, whether or not that's Willow hitting a, like actually hitting a finish and like Jade somehow grabbing a rope or something like that. But there was a really cool false finish, like a 2.999 in this, in a way that they've not they've given up putting in Jade matches, but they've decided which matches would be um, convincing to have them. Sometimes she fight opponents where that, that 2.999 simply wouldn't be convincing. It would be fake feeling. So that opponent doesn't get the shot. Yeah. I think Willow Nightingale absolutely will here, as you say, third time lucky. I too feel like it's a bit of a shame. You want to believe something's occurred as to why Nyla Rose has lost the match. But Willow Nightingale, I think, is a better slot in here, not just for the fact that she's just won, and in Washington, no less. So in, in sort of that old territory mindset, there's probably going to be people that bought tickets to both shows yeah. that are still high on seeing her, possibly for the first time in person, and are now getting a second bite. So I do think the crowd are really going to be with her. But ahead of um, what we'd have assumed was going to be Nyla Rose and Jade Cargill, there felt quite a big divide between whatever the hell was going on with um, the thing the other week with Soraya bringing out the baddies and the goodies and lining uh, them up and Jade's TBS. You just want a button. I feel like I want to take advantage of it now that it's here. Yeah, like Jade's TBS universe of challengers and the baddies and Nyla Rose, it just felt like it was separate to whatever was going on in that terrible state of the state of the nation address that Soraya was doing. Willow Nightingale is bridging that divide here. So Willow Nightingale, we can infer from Wednesday is friends with Athena and is friends with Tony Storm. And, you know, that's, that is what it is. But does this not then kind of drag Jade in a, what sort of feels like, for the want of a better phrase, the proper division going on on Wednesday nights. This like unites the two in a way that I think was was missing when you just lined up. Like when Saray asked for the whole roster and you got four of each. Yeah. It wasn't the whole roster. This helps sort of bridge that gap, I think. Absolutely. Question for you, yeah. which is just an excuse to use the buttons. What... 
quasi-infamous event happened the last time Pac and Trent worked a match on AEW television, a singles match? I don't know. Well, guess for the purposes of me pressing a button. A quasi-infamous event. Um, Pac picked up an injury. No, dear, that's wrong. It's those buttons you were pressing. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think you were going for the quiz button. Yeah, well, that's why I said it's a quiz. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what happened. Bryce Remsburg almost killed the best finish in wrestling. Oh, God. Remember that? Oh, man, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. So to build um, the full gear match between um, Pac and Hangman Page, again. Oh, I'm thinking of Pac's glare. I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> absolutely scared. Um, what happened was uh, he went, he beat Trent in a fantastic little match. Mm. Crowd were banging into it. Um, and he went for the Black Arrow. He hit it, and I think what happened is that, like, Bryce botched it, basically. Um, He's done a phenomenal job elsewhere, but he botched it on this night because he didn't just react like a shoot like he meant to do as a ref. Mm. I think in the back of his mind, um, he was expecting Pac, as he'd been doing throughout his AEW run, to hit the Black Arrow and then immediately transition into the Brutalizer, which he'd been trying to get over as a finish. But the finish was meant to be... Pack hits Trent with the actual 100% protected move in all of pro wrestling. Um, end of days in One Winged Angel are on 99. Yeah. Like One Winged Angel is obviously more important, but in terms of that record, it obviously means very much like mm. a lot to Pack. And he went, one, two, you're going to do the brutalizer? And Pack went, no. <laughs> no, not mate. Fucking count of three. And I can't remember how it resolved, or I think he went into the brutalizer went into after. The brutalizer, that was what it was, yeah. Because he couldn't just. Say count the three. Uh, maybe you should have. I don't know. It was a complete not a mess. But ultimately, if we can get a match that was as good as that with a finish that isn't botched into oblivion, this should be really, really special indeed. It was described, I think, by Dave Meltzer at the time. I've got this weird. You know, I've got no memory at all. Yeah, I've got Meltzer memory, not a memory like Meltzer. No. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> I can just remember everything he said. Yeah, and. All of a star ratings, pretty much. I don't know why it's my brain has decided. It's useful in this job. I don't know why my brain has decided to. Um, we play a game as well. We'll tell the audience about the game that we play later on. <laughs> there, wait, there, wait, there. But he described it very accurately as like a high level um, G one match, the one in late twenty nineteen, yeah. uh, October and November twenty nineteen, where they basically had this incredibly competitive back and forth, nasty, crisp, um, lean, just quality, quality match. And Trent, obviously, we know he can go, but he's also very, very violent as well. Mm. Um, and Pac, like, I just want to see him. Some of the moves that Trent does to the head, Pac's horrible, but beautiful-looking. You've broken your neck in, like, five different places. Yeah. Is your head the in the wrong place, that kind of bumping, like this match could be genuinely tremendous, I think. Oh, he's got like a sort of swan neck arch, isn't he? Like the way he shapes himself sometimes. I want, um, Pac, I know is a super athlete and a, like a hard bastard. I want him to sell that he's tired. Uh, like just to, like maybe the fit, just like he comes out, his hair's more disheveled. Or like, here's a little like Enzo style. Yeah, here's a little detail like that sometimes wrestlers do, right? You know how like wrestling trunks and wrestling gear looks amazing, but 
for function, they still need some of the same things that normal people's like running shorts have. You know, there's sometimes when the string, the rest of the folds it out the front. Yes. Like the gear's more disheveled. And what a nice detail it is. Like, let that little white bit of string be out the front and, like, maybe one of his tassels on his arm not be, like, be a little bit frayed. Just do something like that. Just sort of, he's been, he's wrestled once tonight already. Like, they don't need to keep this kayfabe that we're watching two separate shows anyway. So why would you bother in the match? And Trent can take a bit of advantage of that. They did frame, what goes against that slightly is they did frame very much Trent as the babyface going into this because he was avenging what happened to Orange Cassidy, which again was a strange pivot for Pac to be, like, I know he's a bastard, but that was like a real heel thing. Yeah. He'd like, you hit with a freaking hammer, mate. Like, that's, that's particularly nasty. So they're going to have to run this with Pac winning and it feeling like like Trent's been robbed. Is Pac going to cheat to win is what I'm getting to. Is he going to be so knackered that Trent's out-wrestling him, out-fighting him, and, like... Pac's got the suddenly develops the same panic he had against Orange Cassidy because he's already worked a trios match and he has to cheat to beat Trent. Like, do they do the same finish? Does he hit him with a hammer? Does he hit him with a belt? Something like that. And Pac's becoming this, like, just abuser of the best friends in order to build to the big comeback in a trios title rematch. Yeah, potentially. And I think that we're going somewhere with the Death Triangle split before all of the really tiresome at this point chaos happened. Um, I'm going to do my usual thing mm. where I get very hyperbolic. Maybe I'll get people's hopes up, right? If you look at the complexion of this card, I don't think there's a chance that Willow Nightingale versus Jade Cargill goes over eight minutes. I think that's the absolute maximum amount of time it'll go. They don't tend to do too many interview segments on Battle of the Belt. It's meant to be Destination. That's heavily ironic at this point because it's not as if anyone's really enjoying the journey, let's face it. (laughs) And I think given the, uh, the opponents of FTR, I don't think that match should go particularly long when no. you like i think gates of acne might be exposed if they go long so there's a promoter's reason not to book them to go too long and there's an, a character reason for them to not go too long they are meant to be limited nowhere near as vast in terms of an arsenal as ftr and their repertoire so ultimately they should be killing them off quite quickly um so i can't see that going longer than 10 or 12 do you think that opens because of the ftr road warrior but yeah, when the music hits. Yes, I think that's a good idea. It reheats the crowd after Rampage, doesn't and it? I think Pac and Trent, this could go 20 minutes, and they could be given, like, basically, we need to rehab this brand. Ultimately, it's probably not. It's probably stigmatized so much that um, it's not going to get the numbers. But on top of Claudio versus Takeshita, mm. if you can do a match of that quality, and we're giving you 20 minutes to try, this could be the uh, oh, Battle of the Belts, at least. It would got get the clout chasers, wouldn't it? Uh, Battle of the Belts is good, actually. Yes. They would use these like yes. three matches. I think as that's, these, that's what they could it, be going yeah. for. I think they're going to try and give them 22 minutes or something like that and say, right, there's five stars to get. Try and get them sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I hope that is the case because I'd like to see um, Pac work like 35 minutes on a Saturday morning combined. <laughs> that would be tremendous. But yeah, I think if Pac can work at his absolute best, I think everyone will have a grand old Friday night and Saturday morning. But let us know what you think under the uh, the Twitter link to this podcast at WhatCultureWWE. WWE? <laughs> at WhatCultureWWE. Um, I haven't pressed any buttons. Oh, I promised. It's time to play the game. Not really, oh. but uh, it's time to tell you about a game we all play in the War Culture yes. Office, and I think um, that other people play this on Twitter as well. Um, and let us know if you like playing this game and what your hints and tricks are. My, one of my favourite games, and this is so sad, but I'm just a self-professed mark who doesn't care. I really enjoy right listening to Wrestling Observer Radio. Mm. The um, evening on the commute after a big show, be it a Dynamite yep. or a pay-per-view or a WWE pay-per-view or a New Japan show. And I like 
my favourite game in wrestling. It's got nothing to do with what we've played on the podcast, right? We should start dropping it into the podcasts, actually. Right. Guess the star rating of a match based on the adjective <laughs> that yes. Dave Meltzer um, describes it as in audio form. And I'm usually, like, well, usually between us, there's not one we get wrong ever. Yeah. Because we play this game in the office. All right, he described it as great. Now, great can be anything between four and four and three quarters. If he says phenomenal, that's a, that's a five. If he says, oh, this match was phenomenal. Incredibles are four and three, isn't it? Incredibles are four and three. Phenomenals are five. And when he says, oh, this is one of the best matches um, of the year, that's a minimum five. Mm-hmm. One of the best matches in Dynamite history, that's a five. So that's just a little... For his minimum five. Minimum five. Minimum five. Minimum yeah. five out of five. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a silly little game that we enjoy playing on The Office yeah. whenever The Observer drops. It's dropped today, actually. Mm. So when we get downstairs, I did play this already, so I can be the question asker. Okay. But, um, yeah, you just control and F the stars. And he's a little bastard, actually, because he does paragraph breaks at times with the asterisks. Yeah. I think he tries to catch them. Well, he just want the rates and, stars. and put them on squared circles. So let us know if you play that game, because I think, um, I know Backup Hangman likes to predict the star ratings as yeah. well. Um, shout out to him. What a follow. Yeah, he makes guy. Follow he, him. He makes wrestling Twitter just such a better, more nuanced place, actually worth talking about wrestling in. Yep. Backup Hangman, what an absolute legend he is. Um... But yeah, again, if you want to play the game um, and want to let us know if you do in fact play the game, you can do so under the link to this podcast at WhatCultureWWE. Whilst you're there, you can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. You can follow me at um, Sidgwick. Later on today, we have got the SmackDown preview, and that should drop all around at the same time, so be sure to check that out. And we've got a different cast for WrestleCulture. Yeah. Don't worry, it's not us. It's not us, it's okay. You've given, us, we've given probably, you all the takes. Probably. Yeah. If it is, sorry. Yeah, yeah if it is, we <laughs> apologise about that. That's not the plan. So do stick around for them. And again, thank you very much, as always, for choosing us for a big part of your day. We never, ever stop appreciating that. So once more, thank you, and we'll see you very soon. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.